It's time for Soccer United, episode 127. It's uh, Monday the 12th of December here in Dublin, Ireland. And Enzo and I are on StreamYard doing this uh, virtually because outside, even as I look out the window now from the studio, there is a freezing fog, uh, fog. descended upon the part of Dublin in which we live. The city. Yeah, important to note that we're using the free version of StreamYard because we're brokies. Yeah, we've we still have that other. That, we still have that Zoom subscription, and we're not sure we want part. That duck stays there, doesn't he? He stays there. Yeah. Okay. If you want that duck to go, you got to put hey. some money in his pocket. Yeah. No, no. You got to no. give him some bread. No, 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 no. I like that one. No. Yeah, no, lots of fog. It's it was it was snowing. It's icy out there. I basically said, Jason, I'm not coming over to your house because I don't want to deal with the ice. I don't want to yeah. fall. No, it's icy. It's snowy. Um. Yeah. So we just it, it's, everyone's staying in, nice and cozy. And I, I believe in Britain as well, they're dealing with a lot of ice and snow. So we hope everyone's staying nice and warm wherever you are. Listening. Nice to and warm. Ryan. Yeah. They have the maybe a hot chocolate or or a coffee or a tea. The fire's yeah. on or the heat is on, and all the family are gathered around and they've put on the 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 podcast. Yeah, they have Christmas jumpers on and they're ready for the podcast because, of course, there's no football on today. So people are kind of. They need something more. We're, we're giving this to the people today while the World Cup is on it. It's mini sabbatical. Yeah, as we go from the quarterfinals to the semifinals. Um, speaking of the World Cup and the quarterfinals, and so we had a, a kind of a fun time on Friday when we met a listener, Canadian listener, Brad. Oh, yes. Uh, on his way home after two and a half weeks in Qatar, uh, following Canada and seeing various other teams as well. Uh, he's having a bit of or and or through... We'll plug the book in just one second. Having a bit of just more and second, more on his way back yet. to... We're not there yet. Uh, to Canada, stopped over in Dublin and uh, got to meet, well, who I'm sure are his two favourite podcasters. Absolutely. Uh, we are both running late because of the ice. Yes, because we're not... Unlike Canadians, we are not prepared... Never were. ...for bad weather. Um, so the city was at a standstill. But anyway, um, we watched uh, Brazil versus Croatia. Croatia. Then I had to depart, unfortunately. Yeah, to depart, and then uh, Brad and I watched the Dutch play Argentina. Um, it was a real uh, day of two games that went ha- all the way. They went the... all the way. How how did you the end of the, I missed the end of the Brazil Croatia game with you and, and Brad? Did you stay in those seats for the whole game, or did you migrate? We went into so so we got when you left, we got moved from those seats, and we went into the bar. Okay, I just, um, you didn't get to you didn't get to witness what the scenes were like during any of the big big moments outside in the back. Not outside in the back. No, there were some Brazilians scattered around where we were sitting, but outside in the back, I'm sure it was a whole other level atmosphere. Yeah, um, it was a real moment of of jubilation and then anguish for the Brazilians as the Croatians completely Croatian them. Uh, Brazil got Costa Rica by Croatia. That's what I say. Yeah. Um, Brad, can I say this though? Brad, Brad gave yeah. us various gifts, which was really that's nice. right. We got a nice scarf, got a nice pin. My pin is here somewhere. I don't see my I ha- pin. I have a, I have a pin and a sticker here. Okay, you have that. Mine's here somewhere. My laptop's probably in the way. Um, we got the Budweiser cups from the fan park. Yeah, which which were really cool, straight from Qatar. Um, now I'm annoyed about. I can't see my pin, but it's fine. I'll, I'll find it. Um, Budweiser cups to be filled with beer that was never served. Yeah. That's a bit iconic. Uh, so this is, this is like a, it's like having a box of uh, Euro Select from 2020. 
<laughs> I have mine. I have mine over there. My cup slightly out of reach. And although we we both got a cup, we both got a scarf, we both got the stickers and the pins. There was only one of these to go around, which was a book called written by Brad and his well Bradley here it says written by Brad and his father about yeah. the growth of soccer in North America. So be you know Canada and the United States. It's called Soccer Triumphant. And I'm into it. I haven't read it yet, but I'm actually going to read this and then pass it on to you, Jason. And this might even um, make the wall maybe on the back. It's pretty cool. Like I, I can't, I can't. Um, I haven't read it, so I can't get into. I can't say if it's good or bad. But it is. It seems to be oh. a really good. Um, encapsulate. I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's telling us how did we get to this point? How did we get to a point where we have the U.S. Women's National Team winning? We have Alfonso Davis being produced up in Vancouver, uh, obviously at the Whitecaps, and getting sent to uh, Europe. And then just like yeah. Christian Pulisic and, and, and everything along with that Sinclair, you know. So I'm looking forward to reading this. I think you are too, Jason. I am. And I also found out from... Oh, uh, while I was gone. From Brad, while you were gone, that his father, uh, William Humber, is a noted uh, baseball historian. Oh. Uh, who is a member of various halls of fame and societies of honor in the baseball world as a, as oh, a baseball wow. historian so this is not a book just written by a couple of you know uh, Joe Soaks off, off the street this is a, a piece of academic sporting writing in the great tradition of the humber family yeah and we've seen on the show i had a quick scan through it. and brad i'm speaking to brad himself he's been to the 2006 world cup in germany the 2010 world cup in south africa the 2014 world cup in brazil and he was obviously in qatar hitting a lot of games as well especially with canada having qualified um, super interesting dude. Uh, I'd like, yeah, it was just brilliant. I was sad I had to leave early. I had plans prior to meeting Brad. Um, I was happy I got there before you, Jason, so I wasn't as late as you. Mm. And he was a really, really, really nice guy. It was great, fantastic. So, um, if you are traveling through Dublin and you want to see a World <laughs> Cup quarterfinal, uh, I guess in four years' time, if we're not in the states, uh, if we're not in the states, then you can uh, catch us avail of that service, which apparently we offer. Um, so that was fun. Uh, just to say as well, before I guess we can go into Hobby HQ and say that, um, as we come to the end of the World Cup, we still have some World Cup prism on the shelf at soccercardunited.com. Oh, yes. Um, and we were kind of thinking of what, what to do with it, you know. I mean, obviously, it's for sale right now. Um, and it's and it's selling, but we thought there might be some people that, as the World Cup comes to a close, still haven't opened it and are kind of thinking to themselves, "Should I dip in and get it, or should I not dip in and get it?" Oh, there's a hobby box of World Cup present. Yeah, I had it here close by. Um, so we thought if you're on the fence, we're going to do a bit of a madness price wise, and we're going to drop it to uh, three nine nine ninety nine uh, euros per box until. Thursday. So until the semi-finals are over, with our complete and utter hope of having it in your hand for the final. Yes. So if you next order day shipping it to most places, most places, if you order it to uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, you'll get it by Friday at the absolute latest. Mm. Um, Christmas could point, get in the way of that, but I don't think it will. Yes. At which point you could then open it during the World Cup final. Or just before, or whatever you want to do. Halftime could be a good halftime activity. <laughs> it could be a halftime. Yeah, have your own little halftime show. 
Um, so yes, yeah, so you can go to soccerunited.com forward slash store um, and have a look there. And if you want to order some World Cup Prism, we're never going to have it cheaper than this. Probably. We don't have a lot oh, left. Probably. Um, now, Enzo, to the people who have bought it previously uh, from us at a higher price, we say to them, buy another one. Reduce reduce the average. Yeah. If you bought it at 500 and now it's 400 hey, guess what? You got both yours for 450 You should be happy. There you go. And you have um, National Treasures as well. We, we reduced that one for the high rollers. Um, as seen on me and Jason's appearance on TV one time. Yes. National yes. Treasures. We have that, I think, 1,300. Okay. Keep us on eBay is 1,500. I think I can't really find it cheaper than that. Uh, 1,300. Especially, it's, it's a really good price for the Europeans. Um, the, the Prism and, and the National Treasures. If, if, if you're more of a high roller, that would be the National Treasures. Get, get into NT, yeah. Maybe find some Killing Mbappe autographs or something like that. Some on card, card potentially, yeah. yeah. There you very go. Ex- very exciting, very exciting. Apart from that, not a lot has happened in the hobby this week, Jason. Not that, not that I've seen. And then maybe we've been distracted by football. Uh, I have to say, I've, I, the, the irregularity of the football, like in terms of like the way it's just like on at all different times and it's kind of all consuming. Usually I would have... At the weekends, I'm watching football. During the week, I'm able to kind of You're like... Gathering notes. Yeah, I'm gathering my notes and putting things together. But I've been kind of all over the place with the World Cup. So I haven't been... You know, my finger has not been on the pulse when it comes to the hobby. I feel like I'm going to sneeze, but I didn't I didn't do it. I was, I was thinking, is that the first ever soccer night sneeze and it never came? There we go. Oh, I think we, we must have sneezed on the show before. Don't know. Maybe the diehards can let us know. Yeah, if, maybe if someone could start a wiki uh, for Soccer United, then we could go. We could type "sneeze" into that and say, "On episode twenty-one, Jason sneezed." Okay. Um, you definitely. We were sick. I, we I've COVID. Yeah, come on, come on, hundred percent. Um, oi, oi, oi. Yeah, no, it's very frosty. Outside looks crazy. It does look crazy. It looks yeah, crazy stuff going on. You couldn't be out in that. No, 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 no. Um. What was I going to say? What's an ah. Oh, yeah. So, right. Gonzalo Ramos, we talked about kind of having a moment. Absolutely. And we were talking about this off the air, and I just thought I might as well take it on the air. Okay. Um, and there was a huge amount. When he scored his hat-trick against Switzerland in the round of 16, there was a huge spike in sales and in prices for Gonzalo Ramos. And he's still selling. Very well. Still selling. Well, here's yesterday... You have a green of 99 Merlin rookie card and five base cards going for 203 US dollars, right? Wow. Um, but I'll just see if I can find one. Yeah, on December 10th. You know, it's kind of like the price has been kind of going down since they hit a peak there. Yeah, who knows sense. what Gonzalo Ramos will go on to do. But I was having a conversation with someone on social media about this and they were like, oh, this is fantastic. Like, but I don't know when I should sell. This is on the night of the hat trick. And I was saying like, sell now mm. like especially for that if you're in that for a low cost if you ended up with Gonzalo Ramos like and you kind of made the you made the bet and the bet paid off don't wait for it don't wait to win again on the same horse just cash it in yeah yeah cash it in. It's, it's hard to do that like I mean they, people could have seen the hat trick and thought another club might buy him you might have a moment you know da, 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 da. but as you're saying if even if that's not the absolute peak it was definitely a local peak and yes, definitely, definitely a local a, pick. A yeah, good time to get off the horse. A, a yeah, World Cup Patrick. 
like it's because a World Cup hat trick is such an unlikely event. Forget about any. It's not, There's not only been one at this World Cup, and the World Cup's only happened every four years. There's been one yeah. at this one so far. So statistically, it just is so rare that what are the chances that Gonzalo Ramos is going to achieve a, a similarly statistically unlikely event in the course of his career? Yeah. Low. And you could add on that so many eyes were on him because he was replacing Cristiano Ronaldo being dropped to the bench. Yeah. So that was that was it. That was your moment. So I just thought, you know, in future, it's like if you had a Kingsley Coleman when he scored a Champions League winning goal or a Kai Havertz when he scored a Champions League winning goal. Just sell it. Sell it now. If it's not PC and if it's not something that you care about, if you bought yeah. it as purely a speculative piece, that's the time. Or like, say like, right, if Messi, you Messi stuff, if Messi goes on to win the World Cup, although who knows who's going to win the World Cup at this stage, but um, mm. if Messi goes on to win the World Cup, you could, you could say like, well, that's going to be a local peak, but you might say, I believe so much in Messi. the global trend of Messi that I actually don't care. It, this this local peak does not matter compared to where he's going, you know, and Absolutely. that's fine. But yeah. you know, if you're if you're in a situation where you're judging Gonzalo Ramos and Lionel Messi differently, I would say you're doing good business. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the correct position. You can't apply the same logic to both of those players. It's completely different. Yeah. Um, so it's just interesting to see. I'd like to know from listeners if you sold, you know, if you had uh, Julian Alvarez cards when he uh, scored a couple of goals, did you sell then? Did you sell Gonzalo Ramos? Did, you know, Breland Bolo scored a goal? You know, all this kind of stuff. Um, like, I, I wonder when Chiuamani scored his goal against England, did his this year's mm. rookies well, sell? Very soon after, he gave away a stupid penalty, so that could have impacted him. But yeah. I wonder in the in the minutes between the goal and the penalty. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It was definitely sales. Because even I was like, damn, why don't I have any some of his Merlin rookies? Because I know he's great, I know he's amazing, blah blah blah. I'm kind of like, he has such a cool rookie card. We had somebody like, offer us he also has an RC in, in prison. We had somebody offer us a Merlin of five red uh colour match. For very um, cheap. Was it very cheap? It was cheap until during the negotiations. He was like, I'm not a soccer guy. It was real cheap. Said, oh, that's on. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just found out what this is. He's apparently good. I'm not giving you this for, for less. He like tripled the volume. Maybe. That's right. We, we had the we had the thing worked out. I think it was something like. I thought it was 800 maybe, was it? Yeah, I think I said somewhere between 500 and 1,000. I can't think of exactly what it was. Yeah, but yeah. I said, we'll, we'll give you that. And he said, okay, oh, fantastic. I'm not a soccer guy. I, just got, I was in a break and I got this, whatever. And so had the deal and then he goes no no five thousand or three thousand or something he was asking for yeah and it's like no no like you've jumped up you've jumped you just don't what do a that great card to get now but um yeah so anyway there was a few there's a good amount of uh too many sales but again too many would be a perfect time to sell him at that world cup you know before he becomes long established as a as a defensive midfielder He's also uh, made the move to Real Madrid. Like he's had a lot of little local peaks along the way. Yeah. But, um, but can I say, actually, people, and even you've tweeted a few times about Luka Modric. People, you know, you're always saying, by the way, everyone, Luka Modric is better than your favorite prospect, right? Yes. I think, and like, the amount of times I'm in conversations with people that are like, but like, what does Iniesta's rookie go for? And da, 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 these kind of conversations. When we're talking yeah. about midfield maestros, you know, midfield yeah. generals of, of, the, of the future, of the present, right? Yeah. And I think more acknowledgement needs to be put into the fact, Jason. 
Because like we're seeing the Jude Bellingham Super Factor sell for five figures, right? All yeah. the various Bellingham sell for five figures. Like you don't look at that and say, "Oh, but where's Luka Modric's prices? Ah, oh, you're a gobshite for buying that." Like the reality is, premium products didn't exist when our favorite midfielders of our generations gone by existed. Yeah, they had a little sticker, or they might have had a card, and whatever it was, it was a base, and it was printed in a, in a big way. Even if the PSA ten pop is low, it's still not a particularly remarkable asset. It's not, I mean, it's, it, not, it's not a good looking card. No, it's just it, 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 some of them are cool because they're rare. Like whether it's uh, Benzema's rookie sticker, like, stuff like that is cool. But yeah. the reality is, even if the PSA 10 pop is low, it'll never have the same value that it would have had if it was a Tops Chrome from that era and if it was a super effective, right? Yes. So even as you're saying, Chouameni is going to be a defensive midfielder, what's the point? He's an exceptionally amazing player and his rookies are premium rookies. I think we still need another entire career cycle to fully understand how the soccer market will treat world-class midfielders. Hmm. Because imagine Luka Modric, his PSA, his his um, Topps Chrome Super Factor would have been neglected for maybe five, ten years, and then he moves to Real Madrid, and, and then he just well, it every... might, have been, might have been neglected for you know fifteen years. Than... Yeah, but what I'm saying is that's cool, right? I think yeah, Steph yeah, yeah. Curry might have had a similar trajectory. I don't think he got. I think he was kind of more of a late bloomer. Steph Curry and became really good, right. so his Topps Chrome were really low. I don't know shit, but basketball, so I'll stop. But. I think that needs to kind of get factored in more. I think midfield, the people are when a midfielder is going to matter. It's like, well, look at Bellingham, like he matters. He's a midfielder. Yeah, that's true. It's you're, saying, you're saying that there's no, there's, there's no, no comparison between. There's no data to go on. Like if there was a super, yeah, yeah. If there was, imagine a top Chrome Roberto Carlos, early early days or you know whatever. Yeah. Then he goes on to be Roberto Carlos, and now it's like that's a card people are still going to want. Like there's collectability to it. Yeah, that's that, that, that's true. I'm looking here um, at Luka Modric, 2014 Prism stuff. Don't even think I knew he was in 2014 Prism. That's how. What do you say? His first appearance anywhere I think was 2008 for the Euros. Right on a trade on a trading card. I believe there is a trading card for 2008. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Um, but like Prism, the reason Prism mattered so much is because it was the first premium. It wasn't because it was the first Prism. That's something that I never understood. That I understand now. Yes, it exactly. It's, it's his first appearance. On, yeah, 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 yeah. For most players, apart from like upper deck, for some English team players, whatever. But yeah, yeah in general, it wasn't about first prism, and that prism mattered more than tops chrome. It was first premium soccer product. Yes. Therefore, it was the first time you get a one-on-one Luka Modric. You know. Um, People don't understand that. Do 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 do. I was going to say something, but I lost. I have a thing. We, oh, I'll, get, I'll get into it later. There you go. I'm just nice. look at that, look at Marjorie. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> That's all. 27 of 149. Uh, $36. But again, like that's that's an interest of them. Don't go for crazy money. Yeah. Okay. Um. I don't know, but it, it's interesting. Also, by the way, Modric is amazing. I mean, he's just, he's just, we can talk about him with other Croatia, but just, I mean, my God. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, there was actually, I, I was some interesting quotes in the, I don't know, in the what, in the newspaper, in the whatever it was, the um, in the media from uh, Jordi Cruyff. Uh, 
who is, for anyone who doesn't know, Johan Cruyff's son, former manager and sporting director at various places, now working as one of the directors at Barcelona. And he was talking about um, the, the when Spain won around 2010, all their stuff, and, and Real Madrid and, and Barcelona were very much... The best. Setting out what it meant to be a top-level football team. Um, the Guardiola revolution and all that stuff. And it was all set around the midfield. Um, and one thing that we've noticed in this World Cup and also more, more, less in this World Cup than in, in the Champions League and, and top-level leagues and stuff like that is that now the midfield is more about control and less about expression. And like you find that the expressions happening in the wide areas of the pitch and then coming in very rapidly to converge on the goal once you've gotten high up it's not happening like through the midfield. So it'll be interesting to see as well, like players like Modric and then going further back, you've uh, obviously Iniesta and people like that. Um, if you might be Chumeni, you might be Jude Bellingham. And so you're fantastic, but because of the, the tactical trends of the day away from midfield, the stuff you might be asked to do compared to the stuff that you might be able to do will you, you know, you won't necessarily be able to show off. That's the great thing about Drew Bellingham is Drew Bellingham has such a kind of a power to him, such a obvious talent and charisma to him that he's allowed to do things that there's, I'm sure there's loads of players looking at him going like, I can do that. Why does he get to run all around? Well, I have to just shuttle back and forth here, protecting this channel. I can go up and score a goal. I can go up and give a pass. Maybe. And they can't, or maybe if they could, they would. I don't know. I know, but it's, I mean, the, the midfield, like it's obviously, Quarterbacks are always going to be the main thing in NFL, blah, blah, blah. Um, forward, forward players are always going to have the most kind of hype to them, but a, a midfielder like Jude Bellingham, across the board, even you can see the social media fandom around them, um, is huge. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, then let's talk about, sorry, I was just, I was thinking about, I had altered my head, I was just thinking about all sorts of different players there for a second. Um, uh, is there a case to be made for Latora Martinez getting dropped for Julian Alvarez when I pointed him out as the, the flaw in Argentina's bow? Is there a case you made that you that Lino Scaloni was listening to you? No, but I think I had some, some fairly sharp I kind of, I said look that's their main striker but I, I think he's the problem and sure enough I, I don't I actually to be honest don't have a good memory of what you said because I was just in a state of complete delirium. Hey. Because of the tall the height thing. I said. That just, I, I, I no no I that's I mean I still cannot I comprehend it. Uh, yeah, that just I don't even have anything to I don't know what to do with that really. Okay, okay. Um because I don't yeah, it's like I don't even. It's not even that I disagree with it. It goes past disagreement. What I do with that, it's, I have no. It's like I have no opinion on it. I just. You don't think it's a factor? I I don't know. I don't know what I think. I just kind of think like. Oh, he's he's very talented. He's very talented, and he seems fine. I think Julian. I think you, you your mentioning of Otara Martinez as a factor was obviously. Uh, uh, for, uh, force, force, uh, prescient, um, and and but I think 
the way that you were saying it was making me laugh so much that maybe that's you didn't get the credit you deserve. That's all right. Yeah. Um, but he still no, has a big was... part to play, I think. He does. Um, did he score a penalty the other day against the Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Because we got a couple of there was a couple of tweets coming in about that to us. Oh, um yeah. yeah, about how how the height didn't seem to be a factor in that particular instance. Oh, I missed that. That's brilliant. Um so also I wanted to talk about another player who who had a kind of a an interesting journey with his team. Have you seen these stories coming out about uh, Gio Reyna? No. I heard that he scored recently in a game. He did, he scored in a friendly back at back at Dortmund. Um so there was this thing where Greg Berhalter was doing a, I don't know if he's doing like a corporate speaking event or he was doing like a, it was said it was a newsletter for something, but I don't know what it was a newsletter for. But basically he wrote in it that he had had during the World Cup, he had had a, a player that they were not happy with. Yeah. And that they were like getting ready to basically, let's see, I read this, this is from The Athletic, right? There was a lot of rumors US... going on that something happened, by the way. Yeah, so 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 US coach Greg Berhalter appeared to reference the Reina situation without naming the player at the uh, Howe Institute for Society's Summit on Moral Leadership in New York last Tuesday. Comments are published in a charter newsletter this week. Um, and the quote is this. In the last World Cup, we had a player that was not clearly meeting expectations on and off the field. One of 26 players, so it stood out. As a staff, we sat together for hours deliberating what we were going to do with this player. We were ready to book a plane ticket home. That's how extreme it was. And what it came down to was, we're going to have one more conversation with him. And part of that conversation was going was how we're going to behave from here on out. There aren't going to be any more infractions. Um, but the other thing we said to him was, you're going to have to apologize to the group, but it's going to have to say why you're apologizing. It's going to have to go deeper than just, guys, I'm sorry. And I prepped the leadership group with this, and I said, okay, this guy is going to apologize to you as a group, to the whole team. And that was a fantastic thing in this whole thing, is that after he apologized, they stood up one by one and said, listen, it hasn't been good enough. You haven't been meeting our expectations of a teammate, and we want to see change. They really took ownership of that process. And from that day on, there were no issues as, the, as with the player. As a coach, the way you deal with these things, most appropriately is going to back... Uh, the way you can deal with things most probably is going back to your values because it's difficult to send a player home. It was going to be a massive controversy. You'd been reading about it for five days straight, but we were prepared to do it because he wasn't meeting the standards of the group and the group was well prepared to do it as well. That's how bad it got. Jesus. And obviously there's no guarantee that's Giorena, but you'd assume it is. Yeah, the sources then came out in a different... So that happened, and then obviously all the US soccer journalists... Um, went and asked around and a couple of sources from inside the USMNT setup came out and said, yeah, that, that was Reina. Yeah. What, what do you think it was a case of from the word go, he was just wiling out and not being professional or do you think he didn't start the first game and he was throwing a tantrum? Well, it says here, um, the sources, uh, who requested anonymity because they weren't allowed to speak on it said that Reina showed an alarming lack of effort ahead of training in the US open ahead of, training ahead of the uh, match against Wales, including in a friendly, uh, just complete lack of intensity. They described him as walking around throughout his time on the field during what was otherwise an intense session, which caused significant frustration within the team. Uh, the lack of effort was so pronounced that it, that it was unclear whether Reina was protecting against an injury or whether he was just frustrated because he was not going to be named at the starting 11 versus Wales. Oof. Jesus. So it seemed like a kind of vicious cycle because we were watching the World Cup and people were talking about you, uh, Giorena and needing to play. And we were kind of saying like, well, look at what 
the US team are trying to do, look at how the players are applying themselves. That's not his game. So it seems like that kind of then just made things work. He, it wasn't his game. And instead of him just saying, well, maybe I'll be used when I needed to be used. I'm going to try my hardest in training. He said, yeah. this is ridiculous. Yeah, and to be fair, you might have been in his head thinking this is ridiculous and then going on to the um, onto social media and just seeing all of the US MNT fans being like, where the fuck is Reina? He's our best player. What's going on? And then yeah. he's thinking he's vindicated and he's right and the manager's a fool and da-da-da. And it becomes a cycle because people are missing information. Um, yeah. He's a young, young player. Uh, things like this can happen. Uh, not a good sign. But you'd imagine that he should have a fight. Like if, if he was literally forced to apologize in front of everyone and had everyone tell him, you'd imagine the likes of Tyler Adams and Pulisic saying, yo, like what? Get your shit together. Yeah. You're not bigger than the team. Yeah. That, that should be enough to humble him. And hopefully a few more years uh, before, obviously, the next World Cup, he, he'll fix that problem. Or maybe, you know, thinking he's better. Thinking that just because he's more talented than, than most of the other players means that he, he doesn't have to put in the same amount of effort. Yeah, so so that's that's an interesting. I just I thought it would it was worth. That's one of the few because, kind of yeah. World Cup scandals that are scandals that are coming out that you'll probably you'll probably see more of it as the tournament goes on. You know, you, the the Cristiano Ronaldo Fernando Santos is going to drag on. We're going to hear about that in the next few months, you'd imagine. Yeah, and and things of that nature. There's definitely other uh, the Uruguay. I mean, we we've, we've seen um sorry the the Belgium camp Belgium situation. Gold. Yeah, so state things like that. I think more more things are going to come to light post World Cup. Because it's like that, like during the tournament, you just put these things to the side and, and try and get through it as best you can. There's no time to deal with it. You need to focus on the next game. Yeah, but then afterwards, people start kind of like when, you know, you're being held to account, people start settling scores and playing the blame game and stuff like that. So um, it's always interesting to see uh, that, what happens, that what you were missing, the, the context you were missing when you were consuming the World Cup first time around. Yeah, here's the, here's what you didn't know. Mm. Um. So yeah. So let's talk then about um sending semifinals. They said you'd be hearing about that for five days. Like you would be hearing about that for four for years. five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do you know what it is? Is like that's that's kind of like that's almost the decision there for Greg Bearhalter is whenever a manager goes up publicly against a player, one of them is out. Yeah, like one of you is going, and sometimes you don't want to necessarily put your job on the line for something that can be solved with a simple team meeting. Yeah, no, it's fair. Yeah, and like, why am I playing and risk? You know, risk a lot. Yeah. Um. Okay. So the semi-finals, and let's look ahead towards those. Um, we could talk about how the teams got there because it's a manageable number of fixtures to discuss uh so argentina versus croatia gonna play at um tomorrow at the on tuesday at the luceo iconic stadium um argentina got through on penalties against the netherlands similar to the australia match they were two nil up very late in the game and then those veghorst came on um and scored two goals threw his way around Threw his weight around. Big target, man. Um, as Messi said, they just put a tall fella on and started hitting the ball up to him. That's um, what you do. That's what you do when you're 2-0 down with a minute to go or 10 minutes to go. Um, it was a mad match, the, the Argentina-Netherlands match, I have to say. Um, 
the Dutch, it's like Argentina kind of did exactly what they did against Australia, where they let the t- they they let the team back into it. The difference is the Dutch have options. Oh yeah. So like you know, if Elvegors had been playing for Australia, I think it's likely that that would have gone to extra time as well. What can I say? Like the 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 free kick at the end of that game. Yes. Is exactly why you have Van Gaal as your manager. Yes, that's right. That was Van Gaal written all over it. Yeah. That was, I spent hours and hours and hours on training ground with this. Now, here we are. It's the last kick of the game. Let's do the thing that we've been practicing. And it fully, fully, fully comes off in a crazy, like, that's like, that's Van Gaal 101, you know? Yeah, and that's like, that's the, people are saying, oh, you know, I mean, to, to, to try that at the last action of the game was brave. But the players don't, you don't just, you don't just arrive at that, you know, Oh, would you hear lads come here? Do you know what we'll do? Oh, I'll do that. Raw, you run. That, that never works. Whenever players try and do that on the fly, it never works. Oh, but when you do that, people are paying more attention now. They're like really yeah. like, okay, something's going on. It's what's happening. Yeah, that's that. But that is like that's a that's something from the Van Gaal playbook that they've whipped out and it, and it's worked quite well. And um, the game was completely chaotic. Uh, you know, the tone of it got really bad. Players were like going mad at each other by the end. Denzel Dumfries was sent off after the penalty shootout. Um, but eventually, what's that? I said it was crazy. It was crazy, and and, and Matteo Lahaz, of course, was the man in the middle, and and it's always crazy when he when he's there, and um, because he loves the drama. But uh, it turned out then that we had a miss from Virgil Van Dijk and a miss from Steven Bergwies in the first two penalties by the Dutch. And um, by the time Enzo Fernandez missed the fourth penalty for Argentina, it didn't much matter because Luke De Jong and Otero Martinez both scored theirs. Um, and the uh, Argentina uh, Argentinians went through four uh, three on penos. Fiery encounter, a fiery encounter, and Argentina now march on to a, a semi final versus Croatia, who knocked out Brazil, who we had in our pre tournament bracket as winning the whole thing. They were close. They were so close. They could have done it. It was a nil all. As Croatia always do in knockout games. Fair play. Um, and when Neymar had an amazing run and hit the ball into the roof of the net in the 105th minute to send Brazil 1-0 up, it seemed as if not only was Brazil having a moment, but Neymar was finally having his moment. In the World Cup with Brazil. In the World Cup. When it, when it mattered to send them through. It was a thing of footballing beauty. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was an unbelievable... It's the stuff Neymar goes to bed dreaming about before waking up for the game. Yes, yeah. It was stuff the Brazilian fans dream about. Because it was it was something that he created. It was a... And it was a beautiful little series of one-twos as well. And they were forced was... one-twos. Like, he gave you the ball in a position that the only thing you could yes. do with the ball was give it back to him. Yes, exactly. It was like he was... Brilliant. It was him... Using it was the way he was. It was the way they had always hoped he would interact with the team. Everything was yeah. kind of clicking into place, and it was all going so well until Brazil found themselves with six men. Bear in mind, they're one nil up with five minutes to go in a World Cup quarter final. Oh they had six men attacking. The ball went into transition. Those six men stayed glued to the spot around the Croatian penalty area. And Bruno Petkovic made them pay in the 115th minute when Mislav Orsic, the two Dinamo Zagreb men, linked up and Petkovic put it in the back of the net 
and Croatia took on penalties. That gives me chills. Like, that is the most... Like, obviously, adrenaline was high, but they all lost their heads. Uh, oh, Neymar, yeah. Neymar was going mad at Fred, because he's obviously a central midfield player. He was saying, why the fuck were you up the pitch? There was five minutes to go. What the hell? Yeah, what are we all doing up here? Like, What is anyone doing? Why has the ball not been taken to the corner? Yeah. Why is the ball in play at all? It should be out of play. There should be carnage going on. Yes, Players we should be, be, we should be time-wasting. Like, what's, go- what's going on here? That was just... I like I, I, as much as I love Croatia doing it, like that's brilliant gas. It's mad. Like it's so, it's such a ridiculously sickening way to shoot yourself in the foot when yeah. you have a World Cup. And like, what would have been a beautiful, 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 beautiful World Cup semi final, Argentina versus Brazil, mm-hmm. that just would have given you the chills. That would have been brilliant. Yeah, and it was just like it was naive. It was naive. I think the adrenaline got to them. They lost their heads. They they felt like Croatia can't score because they haven't scored in 105 minutes. Were grand, but. It was. I don't. I don't understand how that game wasn't seen out. Do you know what I mean? You just have to see it out. You can't do anything other than see that game out. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing was if they'd been playing, I'm trying to think like if they instead of Croatia, if they'd been playing Serbia or they'd been playing Switzerland, they'd been playing somebody else uh, who hadn't scored against them, and all that stuff. When Neymar scores the goal, you kind of feel like, you know. Okay, and the Brazilians certainly felt like, right, this victory has kind of been like anointed by God kind of thing. Like, this is like, we did it, it's happening, the story is over. But the Croatians on the other side are going, you realize we were in the last World Cup final. We've done this before. We we didn't just like, this is not, there's no mystery here. We're going to keep trying. And if we catch you, we went out in the quarters to Brazil. If we don't, if, if, you know. What's your thoughts on Fred being subbed on? In the 105th minute, instead of for Lucas Pacata, instead of Fabinho or Bruno Gamarich. Well, I think I think Fred has has been reasonably okay over the last couple of years for Brazil, but I think you can't just send him on. You can't he's no, just he's he's the kind of he, player that could, could fucking wild out. Like you can't. He has no composure. That's it. You don't. And what you need on. is composure. You need Fabinho in that scenario. Yeah, and if Fabinho's not fit, you put on Bruno Gumarish. Because he's going to put his foot on the ball. He's going to give you control. He's going to be in the right position. Fred is is Fred is who you put on if you're chasing the game. Yeah. I, I don't get run... it. Well, you put him on as an extra midfielder, not as a midfield too. Like, it was just... Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Oh, but I, I tell I... you this, when, when Casemiro got booked in the 68th minute, I said, something's wrong here. The cloak of invisibility isn't working. <laughs> there's, there's bad voodoo going on here. Like this, this shouldn't happen. He, shouldn't um, he should. He never gets booked. What's happened there? Uh, and then the penalty shootouts. We had uh, Nikola Vlasic scored. Rodrigo missed his huge moment for the youngster. And mm. uh, no, no, um, you know, whatever. He's taking the first penalty for Brazil in the World Cup quarterfinal shootout. You know, where's Neymar? Yeah, and it's, it's so funny because for Argentina, which we mentioned uh, beating the uh, Netherlands, Messi took the first penalty. Yes, yes. So I mean, how, Neymar how has that. This? Neymar has that Cristiano Ronaldo complex of I want to score the decisive penalty. I want that moment to be mine. I want to have that kind of all eyes on me moment. And so yeah. many times, the players that are worse at penalties miss them, and you don't even get to kick a ball. And now suddenly, our best penalty taker didn't even take a penalty. It's happened so often. You see, it's so often. It just doesn't you know, make sense. Like, why is Marquinhos stepping up 
in a must-score penalty instead of Neymar. Yeah, you, at that stage you have to because if even if Neymar is going to take the fifth one, you still have to score the fourth one. So you, yeah. you're the fourth has become the fifth. Yeah, you're taking it. You should just take the first. I don't understand that. It makes no sense because no. like if Rodrigo, so Rodrigo misses his first, right? And obviously you'd back Rodrigo probably to score a penalty, but at the same time, not in the same way you'd back Neymar. So you have the, the Croatia took the first penalty. Nikola Vlasic takes his scores. If Neymar steps up next and scores. The pressure is on the next Croatian penalty taker. When Rodrigo yes. misses, when Rodrigo misses, that penalty taker is relieved of stress because they're like, if I miss this, it cancels out what they miss. It's not, it's not my fault, you know. Yeah. So you just have to do that. I don't, I don't know, like Brazil say, well, this will be back to Rodrigo to score, but at the end of the day, I don't want. Neymar, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I want to see your best penalty taker. Like, if you got a penalty in ninety minutes, who's taking it? Neymar, yeah, it's not, great. not fucking Rodrigo. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I hate that. That's, that's... If, if you wouldn't let him take a penalty, basically this is the rule. If there's a player that you would not let take a penalty during regular time before you took it, then he's not taking the first penalty in the penalty shoot. Whoever is the penalty taker in normal time should be the penalty first penalty taker yeah. in the shooter. I don't that's understand any other... I don't understand... I don't understand how any and every manager doesn't say, here, you, fucking you're taking it. Yeah. That's it. There's, there's no, no, there's no debate. Oh, I feel more comfortable taking penalty number five. I don't give a shit. Yeah. If you if you want that grand, Rodrigo takes penalties in normal time, not you. Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. Uh... That's mad. That's madness. I mean, this is a fella that has fallen out with with uh, Cavani, has fallen out with Mbappe, overtaking penalties for PSG. Cannot stomach the fact that he doesn't get to take a penalty when he wants to take a penalty. And when it comes to the crucial moment for his country, says, if you don't mind, I'll just hang on for a few minutes. I mean, where, 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 where are your big balls now? But it's not even about being too scared to take it. It's literally, I want the glory of taking the decisive one. But that's the assumption that you don't. Get how can you possibly you. sleep at night having left that up to somebody else? Yeah. How could you be? How could you get knocked out in a World Cup penalty shootout having not taken a penalty? Yeah, that's it. Makes no sense. Um, and it's hilarious that Messi hooked the first one because he's not even. An amazing penalty taker. No, but he's the leader of the team. No, no, that's it. But the funny thing is, if Portugal went to penalties, Ronaldo would have done the same thing. He wouldn't have taken the first one. It's not. It's not right. It's not right. I wouldn't allow it as a manager if I was a, if I was the manager, Jade. Yeah, oh, things would be very different. I know that much. Um, so let's talk about the other semi-final featuring uh, the current world champions and. Morocco, the first ever African team to reach a World Cup semi-final. Morocco. The true dark horses. The true dark horses. Uh, one side of Samuel Eto's uh, bracket had Morocco in the final. The other side had Cameroon. But Morocco, true to Samuel Eto's prediction, had beaten Spain <laughs> and beaten Portugal. And now take on France. They beat Portugal in the quarterfinal. Is it, um, they also beat... They beat Belgium. And they got a beat draw Belgium, against Croatia. Yeah. Yeah, no He's opposition player has no, no opposition player has scored against it. The only conceded a known goal. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alfonso Davis' goal was against Croatia, not Morocco. That was that's right. The own yeah. goal, the own goal was against Canada. It was an own goal. Um, and that reminds me of go- the 2006, 2006 World Cup. Italy got to the final, having only conceded one goal against the United States, and that was a Christian Zaccardo own goal. Because if you don't and concede the goals, final, you can't get knocked out. You tend to go far. Yeah, there you go. 
That's a good lesson for anyone out there uh, kicking with coaching a team through a tournament. Um, Morocco beat Portugal one 0 with a goal that uh, Cristiano Ronaldo would have been proud of the leap uh, that Yusuf Nasiri took. And I said to you early in the tournament, Enzo, if Yusuf mm. Nasiri is scoring, then Morocco were a problem because mm. that this is, man is not a not a scorer of crucial goals. He's not a prolific scorer of goals, and yet things are just going right at the right time for Morocco. Yeah, because I think when you build on a solid foundation and you are consistently the underdog, yeah, you get a lot more space going forward. You know, you, so long as you're not conceding, like give them the ball, and so long as you can prevent them from scoring with all of the potential they have to score with the ball, you're going to have a lot of open space on, on the counter. So that's kind of, they're riding their luck to a degree, but they're making their own luck. They're making their own luck. Um, it's also, I think you find that opposition defenders find it hard to concentrate when they have the ball 73% of the time. Absolutely. You know, it's difficult to suddenly, you know, switch modes like that. Um, it was also, I have to admit, a terrible mistake from Diogo Costa to come to come for the ball and not claim it. That's one of the classic goalkeeper mistakes. If you're going to come for it, you have to get it. You can't come for it and miss it. No, absolutely. We not. saw Wayne Hennessy got, got sent off in the group stage for Wales. After you also have to imagine watching Spain against Morocco you know that you're going to dominate the ball. Yeah. That was definitely a game to start Cristiano Ronaldo, despite all of the controversies. Yeah. It was a game to start him. I mean, it was, he brought him on early enough second half, but like that's a game you can afford to have that player in the box. I was thinking that myself. Like I was looking at Morocco and I was going, get Ronaldo. Like this is, there's not a lot of situations that I would support that tactical move, but like, just get him. That's it. You're fine. He'll he'll he he's been in situation. He spent his whole life breaking down it. stubborn defenses. Yeah, and stubborn defenses suddenly have something else to worry about when he's in the box. Now your yeah. other players are more free. It was just a bit mad. But I suppose he came on and didn't get a goal, so you can. But still, why not have him on for an extra fifty minutes? Strange. Yeah, I suppose. Can you can you drop Gonzalo Ramos? In fairness, you, you could. You could. Yeah, you could. You could just say, "Well done, Gonzalo. Sit down there. Cristiano's going to play again." Yeah, we'll sub you on if we need you. Yeah. You, you did it. Well done. Listen, it's easy to say once they're knocked out, they should have done something differently. But I think that's the kind of sword you're going to die on if you bench Ronaldo. Yeah. Um. So the the Moroccans are having just a fantastic tournament. Um. And I'm sitting here and I, I want what I want to say is I feel like the French just have a little bit too much for them. But well, of course, felt I felt that way against Spain and I felt that way against Portugal. And like, although the French have played amazing in this tournament, like they've switched on from when we seen them in in Copenhagen. Yeah, they're still, they could still come undone. Like it's not like we've seen Denmark do it to them in, in Copenhagen ourselves. Um, can Morocco do it? Yeah, they can. Now, now, could some team in this tournament that's left in it beat Morocco three 0 Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, it just seems like at this moment in time, Morocco kind of have the. The beast and like you know, is it a step too far? They're gonna start giving it all this all. Oh, gonna... But at the end of the day, I think everyone has underestimated them. Mm-hmm. I think Portugal, no matter what you say, Portugal were definitely going. Oh my god, Morocco, and we're in the semi final of a World Cup. Let's have it. You know, I don't yeah. think. Whereas I think now France, I think France still have that in them. Oh my god, another World Cup final. All we have to do is beat Morocco. Like they definitely. It's, I think it's impossible not to do that. But when you're in a semi final, I think you like every. Every time Morocco get a bit further, you have to take them more and more seriously. And I think, yeah, and yeah, you, you can't like, especially if you're like, the, France being the current holders of the tournament and having just beat England, 
It's like, yeah. it's like right, we're not going to let Morocco get between us and the final. Like this no. is like switch on here, boys, kind of thing. Yeah, because like you see Morocco beat Spain. I don't, I don't forget about the group stage. You see Morocco beat Spain. You think on penalties. You're thinking right, Spain kind of fucked up. Poor yeah. them and your Portugal. You could, uh, then you see Portugal getting up there one nil. You know, now you're like, I'm not going to be the next victim. We no, need. To we're we're going to score against Morocco. That's that's we what you need, need to, to score. Yeah, you need to go in and say yeah, exactly. Because Morocco have not been behind. And France have not kept a clean sheet. No, so you need like if you're France, yeah. you're like we need to get us get a goal, preferably in the first half here. And like, like, it's going to be such an like it's it's, it's a semi final. Anything could happen. Of course, they're yeah. all like that. But it's kind of like if France get an early goal, it could be an easy night for them. Yes, because we haven't seen Morocco no. necessarily have to come back into the game. But it's it's tough. It's tough. Um, I have, here's one, Jason. Yeah, and this is like. You know, people call Mbappe an egomaniac, right? Yeah. The race for the golden boot right now, we have Mbappe on five goals. Yeah. And we have Messi and Olivier Giroud on four goals each. Okay. Could that potentially play a, play a, that pay a factor in, in a crucial game? Where Mbappe, you know, could set a ball up for Giroud or vice versa, but they kind of don't want the other person to get the golden boot. Could it impact decision-making at a crucial point? You're one-on-one. You could pass it off to Giroud. You could try to get it into the bottom corner. Nine times out of ten, you pass it to Giroud for the open goal. This time, you want the golden boot, so you're fancy that you can score a one-on-one. Could could mm-hmm. that play a factor, or do you think they're professional enough to just get the job done? I think, I think I, that's the exact kind of thing I was worried about before the tournament with France. But I think the the camp has gotten healthy enough that that would no longer be a factor. That's the kind of thing, that exact scenario is the kind of thing I could see happening. But I think Giroud and Mbappe are having a kind of a, a moment of uh, real kind of symbiosis and synchronization and all that. And I think Mbappe wants to win the World Cup again now more than he wants to get the Golden Boot now. I think I think he's, he's on record as saying it's his dream to get the Golden Boot at a World Cup. I mean, genuinely, I know what you're saying, but at this point, I think they both score different types of goals. Do you know what I mean? Like Giroud, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not really occupying the same space, you know, on the pitch. But there's a fear in me that at some point in time, that could that could happen. Well, I mean, they're basically if that does happen, then they're basically betting on the fact. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. But I don't think Giroud. I don't think it's going to happen the other way around. Hmm. Um. Because Giroud doesn't do that. Yeah, he won the World Cup with no goals. Now he has four goals. He's very happy. He's very content. I I would hope he was. Very, he's very content. Yeah. Um. I think if he was, if he got upset about not scoring goals, he would have retired a long time ago. Um. So I think Mbappe, he would be betting on the fact that if if I try this and it doesn't come off, and I think he's actually good enough to do this. If I try this and it doesn't come off, I'm going to have to make up for it by coming up with a goal from nowhere, somewhere mm. from somewhere else. Um, and I think Mbappe in the form he's in, I'd back him to do that. Okay, okay. I think he's he's earned the right to... I think Giroud is the ultimate player to come up against this Moroccan defence. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited. Un- un- unbelievably difficult to handle. Um, and and Romain Sice actually at the heart of the Morocco defense, so I believe is Morocco captain as well. 
is doubtful for this game. He got taken off at the 57 minute against Portugal and he has been classed throughout the tournament. So I'm, I would really hope that we get as close to a full strength. Yeah, yeah. You don't um, want those not No, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, he also got a red card, obviously, but that was a, that was a substitute. A substitute, yeah. Um, two assists by Antoine Griezmann uh, to beat England 2-1. Harry Kane scored one penalty, missed another penalty. Mm. Um, by all accounts, I, I have just recently learned that there is actually your second penalty in the same game has a significantly worse chance of going in than your first penalty. Makes sense. Um, there's a long history, a long, a long and storied history of people failing to score two penalties in the one game. That's why oftentimes teams will switch penalty takers between yeah. the first and second penalty. And it's also like, it's just, it's part of mind games, you know, because now you're, you're stepping up, you're stepping up the first time going, I know most of my penalties go in a specific direction and so does the goalkeeper. So now you're like, do I put it in that direction? Does the goalkeeper know? Do I do the opposite? Does he not? Does he expect that? Da, da, da? Yeah, bluff, then double bluff. Penalty. Then you take a penalty. And now you're approaching it with all that information. And then on top of, and he also seen me go that way last time. Does he think I'm going the opposite way? You're, you're psyching yourself out. There's like makes, too many moving parts at that stage. But I even think if you swap penalty taker, they're still going to have the same because they still know the keeper dived this way last time. Mm. It's the same shit. It's just, it's a weird one. But um, the ref in that game is crazy. I, I think, you know, you, you look at that, you look at how, how England treated Mbappe compared to how France treated uh, Saka. I mean, Saka yeah. was getting kicked around like, Oh yeah, and the ref was just like at some point it seemed like the ref just said, "Oh, I can't give any more fouls to England." I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done. I can't just keep calling fouls. What? Why not? They're, they're all fouls. Yeah, they're yellow cards as well. Like, they're all yellow cards. You can't just keep booting him. Like that's not how not how it works. That was mad. He was trying to play like an open game, but he was basically saying it's a contact sport. Who gives a shit? But it's like you can't just do that. Um, not when the not when the, the French players are obviously rotating fouls. Yeah, like, and you should be in the ref's face a lot more. I know like that's you don't want to see that, but like you just should. No, but I don't. Yeah, I, I think England didn't like. Like England were going like this a lot, like. Yeah. But don't go like that. Get, Get everyone around the ref. Yeah. Don't just Same. go. Oh, what? Oh, come on now! Like this is mad. Come on, what are you doing now here? They yeah. too. It was very Liverpooly, like not not wanting to get yellows themselves. It um, for me that game as soon as Kane missed the penalty. Yeah. England just kind of gave up, like they they. There wasn't that last minute. They they kept their composure throughout, which is like the Barcelona way of like we're just gonna keep playing our game. We'll eventually get one more chance. We have a good chance of scoring. There yeah. was no there was no fucking weg horse up front and just looping the ball. You know, I never seen Harry Maguire put a striker and trying to whip him in. They were still scared of France, and it's like it's two one. You need a goal. Yeah, you have you have. You Where's Trent Alexander? Put him on. Put Harry Harry Maguire in the box and just start whipping in crosses. Yeah, what are you doing? I know. Like what's happening? Why is Callum the, Wilson not on the pitch? You need a The French defense is not good. No, what? Why are you still scared of the attack? Like, that's what happened. It was really annoying. It was frustrating to watch. Even like the last minute free kick being given to Rashford instead of Trent, who was on the bench. Like, I mean, I mean, it would have been he would have been laughed at if he subbed on Trent to get a last minute decisive moment, having left him on the bench the whole way through. But I just didn't like that. I think Southgate they need to get rid of him as much as he's done. He's done really well in terms of calming the media influence and all this sort of shit. But in terms of like tactical manager, when you look at him and Louis Van Gaal, yeah, they're different different levels apart. I think you, you, I think you almost need like 
I think Southgate is actually the perfect figurehead for the England setup. I do think they need somebody in there as well as assistant. him or behind him. Well, yeah. no, I'm saying he give give him an assistant that, to that run all that the stuff. tactical side. Yeah, yeah. Because that's mad. He, you can't because if he was as good at if he was as good at tactics as he was at all the other stuff, he would be managing Real Madrid. Like he would be like yeah. the best manager in the world. Yeah. So he obviously yeah. has a deficiency. And in fairness, they did outplay France. They were amazing, but they were missing a lot of shit as well. Yeah. Like they, so, they, they, they didn't get a goal without a penalty. Like, do you, know? you know, the interesting thing is that I actually thought the, the England, uh, the English press didn't like the English media didn't really know how to handle this one because when I watched the game, I just thought because a white person missed the penalty. Well, first of all, that was very difficult, um, but also I thought like it was a close game against two excellent teams. Fine margins. You played about right and you got caught on a fine margin. If it had gone to extra time, if Kane scores the penalty or someone else scores the second penalty, goes to extra time, who knows what might happen. But it's like the English media generally after these tournaments, they're like, right, we need a full, you know, revamp. head to toe, revamp, inquest, all that stuff. The idea of just being like, we're very good, so are France. Well, we try again in a couple of years and then we yeah, go to many more from 30 yards um, onto that happening. Yeah, like they, they almost don't have any appropriate reaction to losing well, a close that's why game. Such a sickening loss because like they genuinely could have won the whole thing. Completely. Yeah. So the only criticism you could have really are the substitutions that were made or not made by Mr. Sour Garrett Selkate. Yeah, exactly. And I think Garrett Selkate as well, he, he I think one of the reasons he struggles with the in-game stuff is because they are so good. Overall, they're so good that I think he's like he's kind of saying, Well, I've I've taken them from say 60% to 84%. And then he struggles with that last 1% to get them to 85 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's, mm-hmm. he's done so much, but it's just those little extra percentage points. Like you said, like that Van Hal brings or, or that somebody else might bring. Yeah. Or that a player like Messi brings, you know, very, that, that little pocket of inspiration. That's what I think England are missing. They're missing that like special something. Yeah. No, where you know, it. like it's all working. But this it's guy takes so us close. from, yeah, so close. Like the defense was solid. I think obviously their keeper wasn't amazing, right? But the, their defense was solid. Yeah, their midfield was incredible. Really controlled the game the way I've yeah. never seen an English midfield control the game. And then when you have Foden and Saka, they're so talented and so different in such different ways. Yeah, and obviously Harry Kane's incredible. Like they, it's such a good team, um, capable. I know, I'd say the English fans are really, really sickened. And I know they're always sickened because they always have high expectations, but I do think this felt different. They're, they're sickened in kind of like a good... In a healthy like way. They, I don't know if... It's like, is this better or worse? I'm sure they yeah. think it to themselves. Like... um, But well, yeah, you look at too many scores a cracking goal from 30 yards or so. Griezmann's delivery to Giroud's mm. header... Like that, you can't really legislate for that. No, in fairness, like the Giroud chance before that, that um, Pickford saved. The Irish pundits were saying that he should have just caught that. It wasn't that hardly hit. It's obviously point blank range, but like, could he have caught that? Wouldn't have went out for a corner. Da, da, da. But like, as you said, it was super, super, super fine margins. I'd, I'd say many criticism, they didn't create enough chances. And like, I think yeah. the stats, the stats had them with like a lot of shots on goal and whatever, but there mm-hmm. wasn't a lot of, oh, that should have been a goal. Do you know? Wasn't a lot of quality chances. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I think 
I mean, it seems, it seems so. It seems so silly to say that England are just like that one player away, because <laughs> like, because realistically, like the, I thought on the night, Bukayo Saka was that one player. Yeah, I'm I just didn't We're get, yeah, and didn't get afforded enough protection. So it's like, what do you? I, what do you do? I don't know what you do. Try again. It's tough. It's tough. Um. So there we go. So that's kind of a little preview of the semi-finals. Um, we're going to be back on Thursday after the semi-finals. What are we thinking, Jason? We didn't uh, predict. Oh, no predictions. Um, I'm going to stick with Ar- Argentina to go through. Yeah, against Croatia. Against Croatia. And I can't go Morocco over France. I have to go France. In fairness, that was the best game of the 2018 World Cup, France-Argentina. Yes. Um. You'd be scared enough for Argentina if that was the final, but you'd, you'd like to see that final. And that'd be a fun third-place playoff for Morocco-Croatia as well. Whatever happens from here, I mean, you go through it and, like, if Croatia win, it'd be incredible. I think they'd be the smallest country, maybe apart from Uruguay, to ever win a World Cup. And it'd be a true, uh, it'd be a true golden generation to do back-to-back World Cups. Yeah. If, uh, if Morocco win... Holy shit. Um, obviously, they're already in history in the history zone, um, representing Africa and representing the Arab world as well. Uh, if France win, they'll be the first ones to retain it in 60 years. And if Argentina win, it'll be Messi's World Cup. So we're you, in it you now. Like, you, you like all outcomes. I, I, can, I can comfortably enjoy any narrative from here on in. I feel that way as well. And I generally feel like that whenever England go out of a tournament. For me, I need England, Germany and Brazil to go out of a tournament. And I feel that way. Okay, that's good. But now they're all gone, you can sit back and enjoy it. Sit back and enjoy it. Great. If you want to go to soccercars90.com, by the way, we still have that Prism uh, deal deal on. Um, And if not, we'll see you on Thursday for more Soccer Cards United. Enzo, uh, be safe out there in the snow and the ice. Hope you're out there. Thank you very much. Okay. (laughs) 